0: This podcast is a presentation of UCTV.TV, University of California Television. Like what you learn? Help others discover UCTV podcasts by leaving a comment or rating in iTunes.
1: Next, we turn to uh, someone who probably more than anyone else has uh, provided the leadership and driving energy for this meeting, and... uh, and Ram has certainly driven us, I have to say. <laughs> Those of us who have been involved in this uh, know, normally a conference of this type, of this size and magnitude, uh, requires six to nine months. Um, uh, this came together in just about three months, which is remarkable. And it's also a testament both to Ram's leadership and also to the importance of this topic and the wonderful Enthusiasm and participation of the many campuses and the three affiliated national labs. So, Ram, and uh, I have to say also personally, I've just been a real pleasure working with you as a colleague. You've uh, tested me as well as our colleagues, and I've learned immensely a lot from you. And now we're going to hear from Ram, who will tell us about. Not just uh, his vision for this summit, but also especially about the report that has been developed in parallel with this summit, which is no sim- 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 simple undertaking in itself. Ram?
0: Thank you, Dave. I think Dave delivered that with some pain, and we all experienced that pain. Uh, So if I can start, uh, it was about four months ago when uh, Margaret Linen and Sandy Brown recruited me to do this. So what was my starting point? (coughs) Clean blank slate. And I honestly uh, did not know, to my embarrassment, about this carbon neutrality initiative within this campus. And... uh, So how did we get started? We quickly formed this so-called UC50. I I think of it as a gang of 50, drawn from uh, amazingly all 10 campuses and uh, the three DOE labs. Uh, I must say I'm just so proud of being part of this UC system. No one turned us down in spite of this hellish timescale, we have to deliver a 300-page report in less than three months. So how did that happen? That's the two events. Uh, So uh, I, I, after my name was proposed, I got a personal uh, letter of appointment from our president, Janet Napolitano, and she I knew before, but I said, let me find out what she has done. And then I learned about this, this fantastic statement, call for action, it's on our website. They're telling us, UUC, you are you generators of knowledge, but take that knowledge into action in the field. And then I saw what various campuses have done, in, uh, uh, including our own campus, UCSD here. And then, I've been working uh, with the governor since last fall, and what the state has done. It's just amazing amount of... We started the first greenhouse initiative in 2002, and then Governor Schwarzenegger, the AB32, and then our governor, Jimmy Brown, this year upped the ante. He said, we're going to cut it down to 40%. Okay, And uh, we are already at 23% renewable for power, and it's going to go to 50%. I said, said, Then you look at the UC system, population of half a million, that's a city-state. We heard of San Diego, we have a city, and we have a state. And I saw the job of this gang of 50 is to take that as art of the possible and take the message to the world. So uh, collectively, we came with this idea that the summit, there are two things. The summit brings in the civil society, entrepreneurs, academia, and governance, right? And trash it out. You're going to hear some exciting discussions uh, once I stop speaking. (laughs) (laughs) And it's just fantastic teamwork. And uh, until Sandy and Margaret uh, drafted me as many faculty. We didn't even know who UCOP is, (laughs) but there are nearly 25 worked every day. Just to tell you uh, one uh, sort of a miracle, we turned in our executive summary only last Friday. They turned in a report four days, and I'll tell you already, accolades are coming. Just to tell you how involved the world is, you know, we heard from Helena. She's leading 50 nations, going to be one of the most busiest person at COP21. We just contacted her two weeks ago, and here she is. Thank you, Helena. So let me talk to you about what is the scientific urgency how come everyone from the UC campus just signed on? So as of 2010, we had already emitted 2 trillion tons of CO2. And right now, our uh, emission is about 38 gigatons, growing at 2%. At that rate, in less than 15 years, we would have put the third trillion, okay? Okay. And each trillion, taking the best of climate science, we'll hear from some of our speakers, Bill Collins from Berkeley, uh, but we claim ownership to him. He was at UCSD first. (laughs) Each trillion ton contributes three quarters of a degree. So by 2030, we had already put enough CO to heat the planet by two and a quarter. So that's one. When are we going to see it? There is a delay. So many of us are predicting by 2050, we're going to shoot past two degrees. So please keep track of all our panelists, speakers. There are two timescales. If you don't do anything between now to 2030 drastic, just following the UC example, the San Diego example, the California example, it's too late. But the work doesn't stop. So 2030, we have to bend that curve a little bit. And by 2050, we have to finish the job of decarbonization, if you have any chance. Because every 18 years, we are putting another trillion. Okay? So uh, we'll hear about how we're going to bend that curve. And I think it's one of the few reports which talks about the CO2 problem in the context of air pollution. We heard from Helena beautifully how some of the air pollution, climate change... And you may think, where is the ozone depletion there? Uh, We have the pioneering publisher of the first paper in 1974, Maria Molina here. We'll hear from him tomorrow morning with Sherry Rowland. But a year after they published their paper of the chemical effects of CFCs, I had shown in 1975 each ton of this fluorocarbon has more than 10,000 tons of CO2, huge. So the ozone depletion is intricately connected to climate change. So you've got to deal with all three. And the beauty of bringing the air pollution is that, remember climate is a common good. When you cut your CO2 here, you're helping someone in Africa cope with climate change or preventing the Antarctic from melting. But air pollution ties you to the local interest. As Helena said, seven million die every year. So we can get local interest bringing in the air pollution to attack a common good problem. So our committee uh, recognized that quickly we formed, realized we have to increase the bandwidth of the discussions. It's just not one of climate science. It's not a question of technology. We've got to talk about societal transformation change in behavior, attitude. Remember, we have left behind 140 million Americans who still don't think we have to take on climate change. We can't dismiss them as some names, climate deniers. No, they are our friends, our neighbors. So we have social scientists telling us how to do that. And moving on, and then the last one, we always talk about cutting down the source, but we also have to increase the sink for CO2, the terrestrial sink. And each of them, we had world-renowned authorities just to wave a book written by one of our leaders of the natural manager, Susanna Heck from UCLA. And, and those of you who write books, if you give it to me just before I give a talk, I'll flash it. I just got this book. So there's one way I get three books. So this, this is also one of the things, because we, because we brought social scientists, ethicists, we have even religious scholars from Irvine on literature and religion in this. There's a huge issue of intergenerational equity. Our mayor spoke beautifully about that. 15 million of, I'm sorry, 15% of us are a billion, contribute 60% of the pollution. We know that the effect is going to linger for a 1,000 years, if not more so as we heard from Rachel we are leaving behind a planet with uncertain future for our children our grandchildren and for generations unborn so there's an intergenerational equity issue then there is an intragenerational 3 billion we have left them behind with primitive technologies their contribution is less than 5%, but we know they're going to suffer the worst consequences of climate change. A four-year drought like what hit California, whether to hit India and Africa, it's going to happen. It'll wipe them out. They're all living on that year's farm output to survive. So we can't forget about the intra equity issue. Anyway, so what's going to happen next two days, the first two days is we are bringing the civil society, industry, academia together to have an open brainstorming session. And then tomorrow we are going to announce this 10 scalable solutions drawn from the example of the UC system, drawn from the example of cities like San Diego, drawn from the example of the state of California. So I've been sending it To various leaders, and we, Dave and I, briefed our governor for two hours. We spent with him two hours to discuss the report. We spent five minutes discussing the report, an hour and 55, and all the topics under the sun. (laughs) But uh, we'll see, he has uh, promised to say something after he reads the report. I also talked to Steiner, but I sent the report to the Vatican. I was completely humbled. By the response I received this morning. So they have already agreed to take our message to Paris. It's going to be an event. And uh, so, why why is this? I think simply because I feel uh, this is. I, I started on this path, but at least seven, eight years ago. And I, I see a lot of my colleagues from the universities. I see bright young students sitting on the back. I think it's not enough for us just to generate our knowledge and publish it in journals, and hope policymakers go pick it up. Having worked on this with practitioners in the field, I have learned that we have so much to contribute, ourselves taking that knowledge and working on solutions. So, folks sitting on the back, this is your future. What you learn in this university system, take it to the field, because we need actions Desperately, quickly. Okay. So, uh, in terms of those, we are going to discuss this. The challenge is forbidding. It's not an easy challenge. Just look at America. The same thing holds for the rest of the planet. In the next 35 years, our population is going to increase by about 40%, 320 to 440 million, okay? Our GDP will grow from 17 to 40 trillion. Let me stop on that and reflect on it. Those of us, particularly on the corporate side, some, not all of them, claim Oh, cutting this decarbonization is going to ruin the economy. It's going to throw the jobs out. California started on this cutting air pollution, particularly black carbon. They cut by 90%. And as we learned, black carbon from this diesel is equal to about 2,000 tons of CO2 each ton. When it did that... Our economy grew three times. And California's GDP is the largest in the U.S. And there are more jobs it created. So just our living example, not only is for technology, to undermine some of the myths going on about climate mitigation. So we have to follow, cut our CO2 emission from 6.5 gigatons now, to close to one gigaton, okay, while our economy and the population is growing. So our per capita emission has to go from 20 tons to about two tons. And we saw that's the path San Diego is on, and that's the path the UC system is on. So we are a spectacular living example of what needs to be done. It is this message with living laboratories, we see posters all around that we have to take to the rest of the planet. Every time we get an argument, oh, no, no, it's not possible, it's a pie in the sky, this is Kool-Aid, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, we should say, no, we are doing it. Okay? So one thing I want to point out is a lot of the... Mit- I hope our speakers would address A mitigation plan Assume the sink for carbon is going to remain the same. It's not as sure the oceanic sink we heard about Revels' work, it could change. If it changes for the better, good for us. If it changes for the worse, we have to work even harder. Okay? So that's why we have one of the main uh, uh, solutions you'll see tomorrow, I think we'll hopefully you'll hear from Susanna addressing the carbon sink issue. Terrestrial sink. The U.S. terrestrial sink is about one gigaton. Okay. So, and we know we are experiencing this drought, this fires. That's changing the sink. Okay. Our, we are losing our trees. If you're not going to plant them back, we have lost that. So there are a lot of feedbacks already kicking in. So I want to thank you. I want to thank UCSD, Sandra and Margaret. I think they I know why they recruited me. They wanted to educate me on this issue. <laughs> <laughs> I learned a lot in four months. And our slogan should be, bend that curve. Thank you.